It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And we are happy that you are making us part of your daily routine We are here for you Monday through Friday Although this week, no Friday show it's the 4th of July on Thursday, Independence Day. Both Jay and I are traveling to Las Vegas on Thursday. So this week we're here for you Monday through Thursday. We'll take a day off because of the holiday and our travel. And then we'll hit you with podcasts from Summer League. We'll both be in Las Vegas. We'll figure out podcasts from Summer League. We'll be seeing a lot of people there. So who knows what we will get ourselves into and you'll hear a fair amount of that here on this podcast. I am John Corrales, if you haven't known this by now, figured that out. I am a beat reporter covering the Celtics for Mass Live. All of you new listeners, thank you for checking us out. Follow my stuff on MassLive.com slash Celtics. You can also follow the co-host here uh, on the regular Jay King on The Athletic. He is uh, He covers the team for them. So you can follow him at by J King. Also, Jam Packard at Jam Packard on Twitter. I'm Reds Army underscore John on Twitter. So thank you for sampling. Today, a little bit different because I'm here by myself, both Sam and Jay, not available for this podcast. I did a couple of radio hits. First, my weekly segment with Rich Kimball in Bangor, Maine. I will share that with you. And then also, I had a, an appearance on 98.5 The Sports Hub. I talked to Matt McCarthy uh, filling in uh, on The Sports Hub on Tuesday night. So I will share that. So I'll go through right now in first segment some of the newsy items of the day. Talk a little bit about that. I'll take a break. Put one radio hit uh, there, take a break, put the other one there, and then say goodbye. You know, a couple of different discussions there, so they both uh, there's there's a little bit of a variety there for you, so you can hear that. Maybe you're not in the Boston area, you didn't hear those or see them on social media, so I'll get to share those with you. News items for the day. The Boston Celtics, earlier in the day, signed a uh, re-signed, Daniel Tice. They brought him back on a two-year, $10 million deal. This comes after the signing of Enos Cantor to a two-year, $10 million deal. Then, after that, after the uh, Daniel Tice, actually before the Daniel Tice thing was announced, they signed the uh, a French big man, Vincent Poirier, who uh, comes to the Celtics on a two-year minimum deal. So Celtics filling out the center spot. 
So they've got Cantor now, Poirier, Daniel Tice, and they've got Robert Williams. The Now that's some depth. Uh, not very high-end center talent, but uh, apparently, I'll, be, I'll, I'll admit, I don't know much about Vincent Poirier. Got to learn about him a little bit more, but by all accounts, he's a, a he's a big guy. Obviously, he looks like a big guy. He, in, in hearing the conversations with uh, Gershon Yabusele at the practice facility, uh, Poirier is you know a big, tough rebounder. Can cut back door and finish alley oops. Can dunk on people. Can roll in the pick and roll. He's not a floor stretcher by any means, but he can do some damage at the rim rebound, block a shot or two. Uh, he is going to kind of be uh, a, a, almost like a cross, I guess. Well, maybe not. I was going to say a cross between Tice and Cantor. Cantor, obviously an offensively-minded center, not a big defender. Uh, he will get cooked in the pick and roll very often. But uh, Poirier doesn't stretch the floor out uh, as much as – Daniel Tice does. Now, Tice comes back on the two-year $10 million deal. The Celtics had his uh, non-bird rights, which is a version of bird rights. It's weirdly named. But they had the ability to pay, go above the salary cap to pay him that two years, $10 million, so it doesn't come out of cap space or anything like that. They now have – now, he's the only guy of the four centers that they have – that can stretch out to the perimeter, which is going to be something that the Celtics need. It's something that Brad Stevens really wants. That's something that fits his system. So the pace and space stretch big, that's going to be Daniel Tice. So obviously I feel like Enos Cantor is going to be the guy who starts. I mean, he feels like the more seasoned pro, the more NBA guy, but Daniel Tice is going to have an opportunity because, like I said, he's the only one that goes out and shoots the threes. He shot 38% from three last season. And if he gets starter-type minutes, you can probably count on two or three threes per game. Is he going to get 36 minutes per game? No. But he'll be out there with the ability to stretch the floor. And if the Celtics want any kind of big to stretch the floor, they have no choice but to play Daniel Tice. I don't know where Poirier fits. Uh, it's been said that he wouldn't come over to the NBA without an opportunity, an actual opportunity to play. You don't sign Enos Cantor to sit him on the bench. What's going to happen with Robert Williams? Now, Williams might be the best raw defender of the three. Like He's got the best shot-blocking instincts of, well, of the four, I should say. He's the guy that's going to alter more shots than the other guys. Tice can block a shot for sure. I mean, he his his block percentage was actually, if he had qualified on the NBA, the, the full NBA list, he would have been in the top 20. I think he would have been 17th if he had qualified as far as minutes played. So he can block a shot for sure. Poirier seems like a guy who can block a shot. Cantor will by accident probably, but he's not going to be a shot blocker. He's not going to be your defender. But Williams is the type of guy with the raw talent to not only block a shot, but block them in such spectacular ways that it really makes a guy who drives think twice. Obviously, Williams has flaws as well. Uh, he 
last season. Obviously, he's going into his second year, so nothing's going to be perfect with him. He's going. To, he loves to jump, as Jam Packard says. He loves to jump, which means you can up fake him. He can draw fouls. It, it's not going to be uh, a very polished defender back there. But each of these guys seems to have a stake, a claim to some minutes in the NBA, which makes me wonder if all four guys are going to finish the season on the Celtics. I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. But for now, all four guys are on the team. If you go to MassLive.com slash Celtics in the morning, it depends on when you're listening to this, but Wednesday morning, Eastern time, we will, some point in the early morning, Tom Westerholm, my co-beat writer, and I will do a quick four four stakes to the starting lineup. Uh, the argument for each of the four guys to go in there and be the starter for the Celtics this season. Again, I feel like Cantor's probably the guy, but having gone through this that piece, each guy has a a real legitimate claim. There's there's really a claim for all of them. So go check that out. The other piece of news is that Brad Wanamaker is back. It's a one-year deal. I don't know what the terms are. Uh, it may be whatever the number is. They also had bird rights on him, so they they can they don't have to go into cap space to uh, sign him. Uh, so he's coming back. I expect him, I anticipate that he would be playing the Terry Rozier role. I don't think that Carson Edwards is going to be the guy to take a lot of minutes. I would think that they would get him some run in in Portland in with the main red claws. Uh, I would expect Tremont Waters to be a two, two-way player, so a lot of time in Portland for him. But Wanamaker, a decent three-point shooter. Brad Stevens spent all season, anytime Brad Wanamaker came up, oh, he's such a pro, such a pro. Can't, anytime Brad Wanamaker, literally every quote, he's a pro. Man, he's such a professional. So they, they liked... Wanamaker, uh, and so he has a role, and I think he wanted a bigger role. When the season was over, he put out an Instagram post saying, eh, it's not the opportunity that I wanted, but I'm glad that I got it. So now maybe this will be the opportunity that he was more envisioning. In that Terry Rozier role, he'll probably get 15 to 20 minutes a game. Obviously, Kemba Walker is going to get a majority of the, majority of the minutes, but He's probably not going to play the 34 that he's used to. Probably get dropped down to like 31 or 32. Couple minutes, but you know, that's that's time that somebody else needs to fill. Marcus Smart's obviously going to be a backup point guard, but they will share the floor from time to time. So there will be minutes for Wanamaker to go out there. And of course, if Smart or Kemba get a day off, or if they get a nagging injury, sprain an ankle, something like that, Wanamaker elevates to a bigger role. So he probably will get a much bigger opportunity than he was used to last year. Reliable guy. That's the type of player I guess you want in a third a third role. You can't ask for too much more out of a third player because you, you look at Terry Rozier last year. If you get a guy that's better and theoretically Terry Rozier better than Brad Wanamaker, he's going to want more minutes. He's going to, he's, he might get pissed off 
that he doesn't get those minutes. So a guy like Wanamaker in the third guard role, that's okay. It's not – he probably could do better, but you could definitely do a lot worse. So for one year, it's good. We'll see what the kids develop into. We'll see what Romeo Langford becomes. We'll see what Carson Edwards becomes. So for a year, not a big deal. That is what happened on Tuesday. Again, go to masslive.com slash Celtics because we have stories up on Romeo Langford. We have stories up on Tremont Waters. We have stories up about everything that happened. So covering the Celtics in depth and really just giving you a ton of coverage even throughout the offseason. So go to masslive.com slash Celtics for all of our work there. When we come back, we will have my hit with Rich Kimball in Bangor, Maine on The Pulse in Bangor. And then after that, it will be me on the 98.5 The Sports Hub Adam Jones show, which wasn't Adam Jones today. It was Matt McCarthy. So those are the next two segments, and I'll be back to wrap up the show at the end. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we're back on Downtown Tuesday afternoon. Time to talk some basketball. Oh my goodness, what a busy time it has been these last few days. For the new look Boston Celtics, John Corrales of MassLive.com and the Locked On Celtics podcast joins us where to begin. I guess we start with new arrivals, John. Kemba Walker, welcome back to New England. Yeah, Kemba, it's a nice recovery for the Boston Celtics to get Kemba Walker, an all-NBA guy, three-time All-Star, last three years in a row, uh, makes up for the loss of Kyrie Irving. And uh, will definitely be a welcome 
sight in the Boston locker room, a guy who carries himself with a certain level of professionalism and a, uh, a, a probably a better attitude than we've been used to the past couple of years. So, uh, and, and you know, we'll see what the net effect is. Obviously, Kyrie Irving was a better individual basketball player, but the Boston Celtics here hoping that the the attitude, the that level of professionalism that I said, will help raise the spirits in the locker room and get a little bit more out of these guys. And then last night, they needed a big, they got one. What do you think of that acquisition? Enos Cantor, it's and for the room mid-level except, exception, which is about $4.8 million, it's not a bad signing at all. I mean, you're going to get a flawed basketball player at that level no matter what. No one you sign is going to have all of the things that you're looking for. And you're trying to replace Al Horford, who just got $20 million a year from the, the Sixers. So you're not going to replace a $20 million a year player with a $5 million a year player. But for that level, to get a, a, an offensive player as good as he is, is not bad. He's going to be able to pick and pop. He'll hit some of those mid-range shots and get into the post. He'll do the dribble handoffs. He'll do all of the things that the Celtics want him to do on offense. He's going to be a pretty good rebounder. He's going to be one of their better rebounders that they've had in a while. Defensively, he's going to be an issue for sure. Uh, not going to pretend that that's going to be something easy for the Celtics to make up. But offensively, we're looking at a team now that can probably put some points on the board, even with all of their losses. Uh, it's going to be a step back defensively, too. Uh, Kemba Walker is not exactly an all-defensive kind of guy either. So, And he's a little on the smaller side. So it's going to be tough for the Celtics to shut people down, but they'll put a lot of points up for sure. I look at everything that's transpired in the last 72 hours or so, and I feel like the biggest loss was Al Horford. Now, part of that's because I'm such a big Al Horford fan, but also him going to a division rival stings a little extra. Yeah, that one that one really stings because he's going to Philly. And <laughs> Celtics fans, you know, you get that long-standing rival, rivalry with the Sixers, and it's just going to be weird to see him in that in that jersey. Uh, the the biggest issue is he was the guy. He was the Embiid stopper. He was he was in Embiid's head. He knew how to play him. He knew how to get it under his skin. And uh, losing that now makes things a lot different in the East in the division because now th- there isn't a player out there that really does what Al Horford did to Embiid. And, and having Horford on the same team, he didn't even go to a competitor that can continue to stop him. So he's on the same team, so they've removed that. I really do think that the Sixers paid, you know, in that $20 million, you can say Al Horford's not worth $20 million. Well, they paid whatever you think he's worth to play for them, and then they paid whatever extra to not play against them. And that premium is definitely worth it for the 76ers. And they still have a lot of work to do with their with their offense. They still need shooting. They still need to find a closing type of perimeter player, but Horford is a big pickup for them just for those reasons. And for the Celtics, nobody can duplicate what Horford did. And they used to be able to run the offense through him. He used to bring the ball up from time to time when the guards were hurt. There's just, it's going to be a different looking offense without Horford in there, being able to facilitate and pick and pop. It is just a tremendous loss. Talking to John Corrales here on Downtown. So as we look ahead to next moves for the Celtics, first of all, what's their financial situation? 
Well, still unclear because they secured these agreements. So they got this guy, uh, Vincent Poirier from France. They've got, they bring back Daniel Tice. Uh, they secured the Enos Cantor commitment. They've got all of these commitments. Now it's a matter of how they structure them. It's most likely that they've cleared this, this space for Kemba Walker. There was a lot of talk of a double sign-in trade. Mm. That doesn't have to be the case. So they can sign Kemba Walker outright. They do the sign-in trade sending Rozier over to them. That's a separate transaction. So that means that they're not hard-capped or anything like that. But they all are also basically out of cap space. They, by signing Kemba Walker, they have probably 1.6 million left over or so. Some portion of that money will probably go to Carson Edwards, their high second round pick, to sign him to a multi year deal. From there, you have a room mid level exception, which is worth about $4.8 million. You use that to sign his canter. And then you have the early bird rights on Daniel Tice, so you use that to sign him to his deal, and that's it for free agents. Um, i got to look at how they structure the rest of the the, the, the roster. So if they want to add anybody else, it's on veteran minimum contracts. That's, that's all they have left, unless they pull some real cap gymnastics. But the simplest thing that I can see is, Unless somebody agrees to play for Boston for a minimum contract, they are done signing free agents. So what's the most glaring need you see on this roster right now? Well, I mean, they didn't do a ton to, like I said, with their 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 big man spots. I mean, Cantor is nice. Tice, Yabu, Poirier. We don't know what Poirier is going to really be in the NBA. So... They're, they're struggling a little bit there, but they have to also have to fill out their bench. Uh, I don't know how that bench is going to be filled out. You're going to use you're going to use maybe Carson Edwards to some degree, Grant Williams, they're one of their first-round picks to some degree. I don't know what Romeo Langford's going to be able to get because he's still dealing with a thumb injury, and they're working on his jump shot in practice today. But they're really trying to remake some elements of his jump shot. But even today they had a ping-pong paddle taped to his left hand so he could take his guide hand off the ball to prevent that from messing with the, the trajectory. So they're going to have to figure out their, their bench. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to convince Hayward or Brown to return to a bench role just to fortify that bench. I know they got smart coming off the bench, um, but they're, they're going to need to get a little bit more bench scoring for sure to, to kind of, I guess, keep some of that punch up from the starting lineup. Who's the most likely to spend significant time in Maine this coming season? Well, I definitely think you're going to see Carson Edwards to some degree. I feel like Tremont Waters, their second, their late second-round pick, the first 51st overall pick, is going to be on a two-way deal. Uh, they haven't signed him yet. I don't know if that's going to be the, the final decision, but I feel like that's going to be their best way to keep him around and get a good close look at him. And then from there, it's, any, it's going to be any shuffling of the draft picks. So, you'll, like I said, Edwards, you might see Romeo Langford there a bit because they're going to want to see how his jump shot works in the wild. You, you know, you could do all the drills and everything, but under duress in a basketball situation, you tend to go back to the old habits. So they may want him to go to Maine in a non-pressure situation to go 
work on that jumper, get that form down. Uh, I feel like Grant Williams, with his ability to, first of all, his willingness to do whatever the, the, the team wants, his ability to read, uh, he's a very high IQ guy, very high motor guy. They could probably use him to, uh, on, the, on, the, uh, on the Celtics. So I probably guess right now that of the more known names, it'd be Romeo Langford spending some time in Maine. Uh, John, the initial buzz after Sunday was about this great bounty that the Brooklyn Nets have acquired. Am I, am I wrong to think there's also a pretty good chance this all blows up in their face in about a year? There's, there's a probability of that for sure. It's, it's definitely a non-zero chance that they have two known sensitive players. I mean, that's just what it is. And Kevin Durant, had, the reports now that he was upset that he wasn't getting the same level of love as Steph Curry. And that's, that's something that's com- continued to bother him throughout his career. I mean, he, it's not uncommon to hear about Durant in Instagram comments arguing about his perception. So he has a, 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 a definite sensitivity. Kyrie Irving, to some degree as well, he wants to have the accolades. He wants to be able to be seen as one of the elite-level players uh, on a par with Durant, on a par with LeBron James. So when things aren't going their way, they definitely have uh, a tendency to have strong emotional reactions. They're both going to New York City, a the media market, the home of American media. They're going to experience a level of media that they haven't seen not even in Boston, not even in Oakland, they're going to see major outlets who have headquarters in New York City be there. All the New York papers, all the New York TV stations. They're going to be, there's going to be a spotlight there that's more than anything that they've seen for a regular season. And, and that, I think, is going to be a very interesting thing because having seen Kyrie up, up close with the media, he, he just does not like dealing with the media. And it's going to be immediate. It's going to be pervasive. It's going to be persistent. So there is definitely a possibility that something doesn't go well for the Brooklyn Nets. And I really want to say that it's especially interesting because last season, the Brooklyn Nets were a very fun, happy-go-lucky bunch dancing on the sidelines and all that. I don't know if that's going to be able to carry over with these guys on the team. All right, all kinds of excitement as we look ahead to the coming season and probably some more drama in the offseason as well. John Corrales updates us every Tuesday afternoon. Check out his work at MassLive.com and listen for much more insight on the Locked on Celtics podcast. John, we thank you as always. Have a great fourth, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. You too, man. Joined by John Corrales of Mass Live. You can check him out on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. John, good to have you on the program again. Joe, oh, thanks for having me back. Let me ask you this. Should we feel good about the Celtics offseason just, you know, a few days into into free agency here, or should we not? How, how, how should we feel about it? Well, I mean, I think ultimately it, it hasn't gone 
well, but it's gotten better since the initial exodus. They did a nice job recovering and bringing in Kemba Walker to replace Kyrie Irving. And, you know, that that can be a much longer conversation, but uh, we know that Kemba is still uh, maybe not quite as good on the court, but still close to Kyrie, a three-time All-Star, All-NBA player last year, and good attitude, which I think is going to help make up for whatever potential talent gap there is. But, you know, losing Al Horford and, and losing the uh, ability to then turn around and go for the Anthony Davis trade rather than be scared off from the Anthony Davis trade. I think if Ainge had a commitment from Kyrie and Horford, then he would have said, you know what, I'm going for it anyway. I'm not going to be scared off by this. And then we'd be in a much different position. So obviously with that not being the case, I think Boston loses overall, but they did, they, they did recover nicely so it's not as bad as it could have been as he said this offseason would look a hell of a lot different if they were able to retain al horford how badly do you think they tried to get him back because you know the initial report comes out what two weeks ago now uh, that he's got all these offers on the table and and he's heading out of town but it certainly seemed like on sunday the celtics were trying to line up everything that they could to get horford back should we buy into it how badly did they want him back I'm sure they wanted him back badly, but I don't think they were willing to commit to the four years, uh, approximately a hundred million to do that. They, they had a price. uh, And I think Boston has a strong kind of walk away point with all of their free agents. They spend a lot of time determining the value, understanding what the market is. And they say, if this number goes beyond X, we just can't see ourselves paying that. Again, if Kyrie had stayed and they had the opportunity to get Anthony Davis, I think they would have ponied up a little bit and said, this is the price of doing business. And maybe Al Horford would have been a little bit more willing to stay. I do believe that part of his decision to leave was because he no longer has to play the center spot and no longer has to defend a guy like Joel Embiid. And it's going to be easier on his body as he gets to 34, 35 and beyond. If they had traded for Anthony Davis, I think some of that burden would have been lifted again. And he would have been a little bit more willing to stay maybe at a little bit more of a discount, but with none of that happening, I think Boston had its, its price and other teams were just willing to exceed it. Should they have been more willing to go over that price, or should they have been more willing to appease Al Horford, go out and get a legitimate center so he could play the four, given the landscape in the Eastern Conference this year, because it seems like they're a big man away from being in the in the elite core, the elite tier of Eastern Conference teams. Should they have been a little bit, a little bit more willing to meet that price? Um, it's tough because of his age, to say, I, I don't think, I, I don't necessarily agree that that would have put them in the elite core. I mean, obviously now, if Kawhi Leonard, we don't know what he's doing, if he leaves, that it does change the balance a bit. Um, and they would have been in the mix. So on, on some way, on some level, yeah, I think keeping Al Horford would have gotten them close to that. But at the same time, I, I think the way things shook out, they're now shifting their priorities to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and kind of seeing 
where those guys can take the Celtics because that's that's the next step. Uh, I think the Celtics got to a point there where they said, "All right, we're not we're not going to be contenders this year, and we're going to just have to refocus." We bring in Kemba and then see where in a year or two with Kemba and these two guys, what, what do we have? And then we can readjust and start making the next moves because they, they still have a lot of moves to make. So maintaining the flexibility and not having 20 plus million tied up in Al Horford over the next three years, I think that just became a little bit more of a priority for them. And I can understand why they would do that. Talking with John Corrales from Mass Live. So what are those next moves? I mean, you know, we got the report last night from Bullpet that, well, uh, they're not done. They're not done. I mean, I, I don't know, John, I'm not really seeing much out there in the free agent market right now. What is the next step for the Celtics? Well, I think right now they have this. The first step is determining exactly what Jason Tatum is going to be and what Jalen Brown is going to be. And that's going to require time because this now becomes their team, especially Tatum, because if you believe in Tatum's complete upside, they need to be sure that he's going to get to a level where he's a first or second team, all NBA type player. And if they have that confidence that he is going to be that, then they can say, all right, this is Tatum's team. He is going to be our elite wing. Now, what do we do to fill in around him? But they need to, they need to know this is his third year. And this is going to be a very telling year for that. After that, if they sit there even through half a season and they say, Ooh, I don't know that he's going to reach that level then maybe they start turning around and looking at the trade market and, and reevaluating what their core really is. So this year is about a lot of evaluation. And I don't think we should be looking at this Celtic season in terms of how far they get in the playoffs, if they can win a championship. Like this year has now become the full evaluation of the true level of talent that they have. But there is a big decision coming up on Jalen Brown, and you talk about okay, the Celtics are now reevaluating uh, Brown and Tatum, and, and to see where you know that can take him in the future. He's going to be a restricted free agent after this year. We're looking at the contracts that Jamal Murray uh, got. Look at the contract that Ben Simmons got. The Celtics have a decision to make here. Uh, do you see them handing out that type of contract or the type of money it will take to retain Jalen Brown? I don't think they're going to offer an extension because he is extension eligible. So the first thing they can do right now by the end of the summer is decide, all right, we're not even going to go to restricted free agency. We're going to offer you the Jamal Murray, like you said, type of extension. I don't think they're going to do that because I really think they need to evaluate what Jalen Brown is going to be. And so if you go through the course of the season and say, yeah, Jalen Brown's going to be a stud. He's going to be one of our options. Then you go into restricted free agency knowing that you can match whatever they're going to throw out there. If, if through some process you say, Jalen is just not going to be a piece of our future, we're not going to commit to this level of money now, then you start exploring the trades or you start exploring exactly what his market's going to be and you figure out what you're going to offer him once restricted free agency comes along. So uh, I don't know that they're going to uh, offer him that extension. They don't have a history of signing those types of extensions. The last extension they gave out was Rajon Rondo. Mm. So 
They're not, they're not, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to evaluate him just like they're going to evaluate everybody. Talking with John Corrales from Mass Live. Uh, tell me about this French guy that they signed today. I mean, I, or what can you tell me? I mean, they say he's a good defender. Is that all we know about this guy? I mean, he's a big, tough guy. Uh, I don't know a ton. There, this is like one of those learning on the fly things. Just you, like you mean you're, you're not watching things. Spanish League and French League basketball? <laughs> Come on, John. What are, what are you doing here? I know, I know. I am very derelict in my duties. I'm sorry. I apologize. But I mean, from from what I've seen since you know the the signing was announced, I mean, he's, he's a legitimate big guy. He's a big guy who sets actual screens. Who's tough? Can run catch lobs? Uh, can finish around the rim? Uh, so. He is going to have an opportunity to get some minutes uh, down low and and be uh, a part of the Celtics front court. Right now, the front court is there's a lot of decisions there to make as well between him, Enos Cantor. Although I don't think Enos Cantor is a long term option. I think he's just kind of a stopgap. You want to see what Robert Williams is going to be again. Evaluation. You want to see what he can give you. You want to give him a real chance. So. Uh, you know, you take a shot at one of these Euro guys every year. They take a shot at one or two of these guys that was playing in the Euro League. Sorry, with Shane Larkin, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice. You know, now Vincent Poirier. So I, I think that he's going to be. You know, he's going to bring some some toughness there. But one thing you have to keep in mind is the YouTube highlights that you see from there don't necessarily translate to the NBA. The NBA is just a different game, a different speed. As good as EuroLeague is, and it's the second best league in the world, but the NBA is just a different speed. So we'll see what, what actually translates to the NBA. All right, he is John Corrales from Mass Live. Check him out on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. Uh, always good insights and good to have you on the program, John. Happy fourth, bud. Thanks, you too. Thanks to both Rich and Matt for having me on today. Uh, very much appreciate people seeking my opinion out on the radio. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope that uh, you agree, or if you disagree, go ahead and hit me up on Re- on Twitter, Reds Army underscore John. Happy to have the conversation for people who disagree uh, because we see things differently. We could both see things and, and have different opinions. I know that a lot of you are, you know, looking at things of how can we win? We want to win. And it's been a, you know, a long time now. It's 2019. We're going to the 2019-20 season. They won in 2008. So it's 12, 12 seasons ago. Twelve. This is 12 years. So uh, it's, it's a long time to go without a championship. And unfortunately, the plan with Kyrie and Horford kind of fell apart. So Unfortunately, it's going to take patience to really, truly get that next sustained contending team. And and part of the patience that I'm preaching is that you can't jump and make crazy signings and waste your cap space and be uh, compulsive and constantly spend big money or sort of big money on players that don't fit the long-term plan or shouldn't fit the long-term plan. Because if you do, you basically become the Charlotte Hornets. And paying Terry Rozier $19 million a year. And look, Terry's fine. Starter Terry is okay. He's not $19 million a year okay, or $20 million a year okay. So that's why I say patience. Celtics have to figure out who they have, what they have, and and then properly move forward because 
if Tatum isn't the all NBA first or second teamer that we think he can be, if he gets all of that opportunity and we say, oh, geez, that's not, he's probably a more complimentary piece than a featured piece, then you have to adjust. You don't know until you do it and you see, and then you figure out exactly what you have. We think, we think we know, we hope he is, but we don't know. You have to let reality play out. If anything, if we've learned anything over the past year or two, what we think we know isn't necessarily reality. And we have to let reality play out to figure out exactly how to move forward. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We will be back again tomorrow with the Thursday show, like I said. And hopefully we'll get to talk to new Celtics assistant coach, Kara Lawson, and have a little conversation about that. Who knows what signings are going to happen between now and then. Free agency is going to be wild for sure. And then again, we'll take Friday off. No Friday show because... Thursday's the 4th of July, and hopefully everybody's taking a long, long weekend so you don't have to be listening to the podcast on your way to work or whatever. And we're traveling to Summer League, and who knows when we're going to drop another podcast. Maybe we'll drop something over the weekend. Who knows, because it's going to be wild, lots of people there. But definitely subscribe if you're not a subscriber to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Wherever podcasts exist, we are everywhere. I don't need to list them off anymore. You just... Find a podcast app, whatever it is that you want, however you're listening to us now, and subscribe. And we will drop podcasts from Summer League. And those, who who the hell knows what's going to happen? Because so, it's Vegas. It's going to be hot. We're going to be tired. It's going to be wild. Uh, so subscribe for that for sure. And then, of course, you can always uh, leave that five-star rating, leave a good written review, and share the podcast. Tell everybody. Listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King. Locked on Celtics. Millies. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.